When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. It is time to get up with a critical game five. A legend reverses his history, and Houston is on the doorstep. We start with the World Series. Meanwhile, speaking of Houston, Jalen Hurts, so good. The Eagles fly to 8 0. Is perfection within their grasp? And should they even want to be? Then it's the biggest game of the year. Could the season of their dreams turn into a nightmare tomorrow for Tennessee? Those are all the questions. We've got all the answers as we get up with you starting right now on a football Friday with a heap and helping. On baseball and busiest week of the entire year. Sacho's looking smooth. Ninko's all dressed up. Brooke Pryor ready to go. We're jam-packed. Ryan Clark and Todd Frazier are here with us this morning, breaking everything down as two great American sports towns taking center stage last night. Philadelphia versus Houston times two. Todd Frazier, we begin with the critical game five of the World Series. Bottom of one. Phillies had been no hit the night before. Kyle Schwarber says, we're not letting that happen again. Yeah, he didn't waste any time. He said, you know what, Phillies? Stand up. I'm going to take this second pitch I see. Fastball up. Drive it out of the park. Phillies on the board finally. That one ties the game at one early. The one thing this series had not really had was great drama. And that's since back in game one. Bottom of two. Still tied at one. Two outs. Justin Verlander. Bases low to jam. How badly did he need that? He needed that one big time. He thought he was going to implode. Dusty Baker said, let's go. He knows just how big that moment is. Top of four. Same score. Jeremy Pena. This young man, 25 years old. He's turning into an absolute superstar. Leaving where he left off with Correa. Gold Glover. And now you see him hitting the ball. Three hits today or yesterday. Hey, given the Michael Jordan shrug. Look at the shrug. Astros up 2-1. Top of eight. Same score. Jordan Alvarez. Runners at the corners. Put it in play. That's it. Put the ball in play. Shorten up a little bit. You get an extra run. Now you need two runs to tie it. Good for Houston there. Now meet Gene Segura. Altuve scores. It's 3-1. Here comes Segura with two men on base. That's going to make it a one-run game. Yeah, it turned it into a first and third situation with less than two outs. He thought Philly was going to tie it up here. But as you see, Presley coming up big. Yeah, they had the opportunity with Schwarber at the plate with runners at the corners. But look at the defensive stab. Yeah, Trey Mancini coming in. Defensive specialist. They just put him in for Yuri Gurriel. And guess what? It voted well for Houston. That's a move that comes up huge. Astros still up 3-2. We go bottom nine. Same score. JT Realmuto at the plate. Take a look at this moment. The pitch. Oh, my goodness. It might be. It could be. It's so close. What a heck of a play by McCormick there in center field. Going up and getting it. JT has been struggling a little bit. We thought that was a home run. A little warmer weather. If it was the degrees yesterday or two days ago, that might have went out. Timed it perfect, knew where he was. Young man watching games in Philly back in the day when he was younger. Said, you know what, I'm going to make my hero moment right now. And that's, that it certainly was an extraordinary moment. Astros dug out his pumps, but we're not all done. Bryce Harper intentionally walked. They weren't going to let him beat him. Castellanos at the plate, and there's your ball game. 3-2 Astros, the score. 3 
two Astros in the World Series. They're headed home, a win away from being world champs. And what does Game 5 mean? Well, it means a lot. Game 5 winners in a best-of-seven World Series tied at two have gone on to win 67% of the time. Though it is worth noting, the Astros were in this same situation in 2019. They went ahead 3-2, they took that lead home, and they wound up losing to the Nationals in seven. But the storyline coming out of last night is clearly Justin Verlander. We gave you the numbers yesterday morning here on Get Up. He was by number about as bad a pitcher as there has ever been in World Series history. He had that tough moment early. He got out of it. How did he get it done last night? It was real simple. His, his fastball wasn't working. So guess what? We're going to go to the off speed. Four of his six strikeouts were on the off speed. Look at the downward tilt on this one with bases loaded. Getting Reese Hoskins out. That was a big inning for him. Now the momentum kept going. Look at the downward tilt here from way up top by your head and going down there. His curveball. Watch the knees buckle here. Whoop, got him on that one too. Schwarber, who's been hitting well this whole postseason. You know what? You just got to tip your cap at the end of the day for this. Hoskins again. A little higher. Might have been a hanger, but at the same time, that looks like it's going to stay up. Boom. He did what he had to do. It looked like the Verlander vault, and he's over the hump now. Good for him. Yeah, there was no bigger moment than that moment. And the bases loaded in the fourth inning when he gets out with that strikeout. He gets over the hump. They take the 3-2 series lead. What do the Phillies need to do as deflated as they're going to feel? Coming off of the huge night in game three where they hit all those home runs. Then they get no hit. Then they lose the heartbreaker. What do they need to do to turn this thing around in game six in Houston? It's going to be tough. you got Framer Valdez on the mound. The right-handed hitters, they got to start hitting the ball. Um, Real Muto, Nick Castellanos, uh, just to name a couple. Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins, 0 for 14 with 7 Ks yesterday. That cannot happen. Righty's got to step it up and show what they belong. They're playing in Houston. It's going to be a battle, but they need to figure that out. All right, we will see. Uh, it was, again, the two cities going head-to-head last night. As we continue this morning, Todd will give us a preview of what we could expect in Game 6 as the Astros try and win the World Series. Meanwhile, Philly-Houston times two. Game of the night last night, NFL. Eagles visiting the Texans. Give me my football, guys. Ninko, Sacho, first quarter, four minutes to go. Jalen Hurts and his big tight end. Big tight end, Dallas Goddard. Eight catches, 100 yards on the, on the game. That's his highest output of the entire season. Down near the goal line where he gives it to Miles Sanders. Direct run, straight up the middle, touchdown. Eagles tied up at seven apiece. They've given up the early score. Second quarter, Eagles, third and goal from the fourth. This time, it's Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell, their run game was working well, especially, yes, early, but specifically in the third quarter, they really turned it on. Eagles run the ball as well as any team in the National Football League. They take the 14-7 lead. Now, here come the Texans. Damian Pierce piercing the defense. Pierce running hard, physical. We know the Eagles have a great defense. Got to step up Thursday night football, and they were able to run the ball well on, on the Texans. And in the final minute here, Davis Mills rolling Sacho. Chris Moore, they originally called this incomplete. It was a touchdown. Chris Moore caught the ball, had one knee down. The ball came out late, but there was clear possession. This call would be overturned and called a touchdown. And so it's a tie game at 14 at the half. Maybe the Eagles overlooking their competition. It's a Thursday night, but they still have C.J. Gardner-Johnson on the defense. Yes, and that's why you went and got him from the Saints. That's his fifth interception of the season. That's the most of his entire career. We're just halfway through this season. And two plays after the interception. They're at the 17, and it's A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, this combination, they're going to do this for a long time to come. No more verbal fumbles on my end. <laughs> Fourth quarter. They wouldn't fumble it either. Eagles second and goal at the four. This time, it's Goddard again. What a night he had, Sacho. He did. And notice that patience that he gets across the line. No one's covering him. Touchdown. Easy money. Hurts, 21 of 27, 243 yards and two touchdowns. His team is 8-0. How about that, Jalen? 
man, I've, I've been 80 no before and, and lost the national championship, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, just take it day by day, you know what I'm saying? Take it day by day. Uh, we we haven't accomplished anything yet, you know, and it's just a, it's a day by day thing of us controlling things we can, playing to our standard, and um, trying to grow every day. I think that's truly what it's about. So, the Eagles get themselves a, a mini buy. And according to our analytics, they are favored in all but one of their remaining games, which is when they go visit the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Philadelphia actually has the easiest remaining strength of schedule among all 32 teams in the National Football League. So let's bring it out and talk it here uh, with Brooke Pryor in our studio. And RC, I'm going to start with you. This sort of ascended into a great debate on this program yesterday. Ryan Clark, should the Eagles be thinking about trying to go perfect? Should a perfect season be a priority for the Philadelphia Eagles? Absolutely not. A perfect season doesn't win you a championship. And you heard Jalen Hurts, someone who was speaking about a college experience and comparing it to his team right now. You heard what he said. I've been undefeated before. I've been 8-0 before. And I've lost the national championship. We remember champions. Yes, we do speak on that 2007 New England Patriots team fondly. But the thing that we always say is they were beat by Eli Manning and the Ferrari rush package of the New York Giants in the Super Bowl. And that's exactly what we'll say about this start of the Philadelphia Eagles if it doesn't finish in the Super Bowl. And so this seems to be thinking about getting the number one seed, thinking about winning the NFC East and positioning themselves to have a great playoff run that has to come through Philly. But that doesn't have to be at 17-0. Trust me, 16-1, 15-2 with home field advantage and hosting the NFC Championship is where the Philadelphia Eagles want to be at the end of this season. Because if you go 17-0 and lose in a division divisional playoff round, you watch the Super Bowl where everybody else does, even a team that goes 2-15. and 15. I, I understand that completely, but I've lost our seat. I can't win. I can't find a friend <laughs> in this argument. Uh, Brooke, you were, you were with the Steelers, again, for those who don't know, Brooke Pryor primarily covers the Steelers for us day in, day out. You were with them when they were 11-0 a couple of years ago. What did you observe about the way, because I, I keep hearing about all this pressure. Yeah. Oh, Rob Ninkovich yesterday. I, so much pressure man. that builds up on these teams. What did you observe about all the pressure that, that Ben Roethlisberger and company dealt with when they were 11-0? Look, it feels like in those situations, when you get up to this situation when you've won about eight games it starts to build mm. week after week and there's something Ooh. I think there's a nice release that happens after you lose but it's about how you respond to it that I think really speaks to a team's true strength it kind of reminds me of when you're getting married and you're in a relationship you get engaged everything's going great you never fight if you never fight, you get to the altar, you have one blow up and you get jilted. Well, like, what was all that for? You need to have some arguments, some, some problem solving, some resolving to kind of figure out, hey, how do we rebound from this? How do we get married? How do we cross the finish line? That's what the Eagles should be worried about. That's not the analogy I was expecting. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not even sure how to follow that up. Here's what I'm going to say. This is making me insane. But the last two days now, Sacho, this has been positioned as a, a binary proposition. Yeah. By everyone I ask it to, you can either go unbeaten or you can win the Super Bowl. As the one necessarily precludes the other, obviously winning the Super Bowl is the priority. But you know what? Someone does that every year. Only one team has ever won the Super Bowl undefeated. You have a chance to be the greatest team of all time. How can you not want that? Because you want to be 1-0 every single week, like Jalen Hurts says, like A.J. Brown says, like all the guys who have done it before. That's what they're focused on. Their, their goal from the beginning of the season was let's be 1-0. Now that you're 8-0, you don't 
chance to go to, hey, let's go undefeated. And now, let's, no, you don't do that. It gets all this extra pressure, like Nikovic says. You want to just focus on what's in front of you, what's ahead of you. And if you happen to be undefeated, then so be it. Let that be an outcome of your preparation. That doesn't need that you don't need to change your goal and say we're going to be the best team of all time. No, we want to win a Super Bowl. Period. And yes, we can go undefeated. And if that happens, sure. But you don't even want to talk about those things. That's too far in advance for the goals you have right today. Nico, let me ask you a question. Yes, What's sir. The, you, you were on all those Patriots. How many Super Bowls did you win? Two. You won two and you made three at least? Yeah, or we four? lost one. Yeah. <laughs> lost one. What was the best of the teams that you were on? Of, of the, of Probably your, the 14, and, and, 2014. And what was your record that year? Uh, I think we lost three games Okay, that year. so whatever you were, 13 and three. Yeah. How much pressure did you feel with each playoff game and going into the Super Bowl? How, how, how badly did you want to win that? Well, every single playoff game, there's a ton of pressure. because So you know why, the, the how much, how, what difference could it possibly it, make if you had been 16 and 0? Because the, the whole, everything is based on this undefeated season. We keep talking about there's only been one team to do it. I understand. It's very hard to do it. You know what's really hard to? To even get to a Super Bowl. So when you, once you start to accumulate these wins, you're 8-0, you're 9-0, you're 10-0. The Steelers at one point were 11-0. What happened to that team? They completely fell apart. It completely fell apart because it starts to stack upon itself and everyone starts thinking, Early in the season, yeah, 1-0, great, we're 2-0, we're 3-0. But then once you start to become part of the end and everybody's focused on this big picture of undefeated, it doesn't matter. The 07 Patriots, yeah, think about this, the 07 Patriots, yeah. nothing that they did that year mattered because they lost the biggest game of the year, the Super Bowl. Well, so at the end of the day, I think Hertz has the best experience that anyone else on that roster can have because he was in a national championship and lost. And he knows exactly how that feels. Nothing that I did in the regular season mattered because I lost the national championship. He understands it. So he's telling his teammates, look, every single week we're going to go into this thing and we're going to focus on each team. And at the end of the year, we better get to a Super Bowl. So, RC, I'm going to give you the final <laughs> word and I'm going to frame it this way. Okay, I'm going to try and put this in your wheelhouse because I know you really well. <laughs> Bruski told me, Teddy Bruski sitting here, told me that that year when they were, I think it was with two weeks left in the season, that the leaders on that team, he and Tom Brady and a few other guys, went into Bill Belichick's office and said, let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Don't take us out. We want to go for it. We want to win. If you had ever been in that situation, would you and Troy and anybody else who were the leaders got into Mike Tomlin's office, what would you have said you wanted to do? Greeny, we're trying to – we're talking about two different things. Bingo. Here's the thing you're talking about, Greeny. In one end, you're talking about getting to that position. Like, right. say I'm 16-0. Then, hell yeah, I'm walking into Mike T's office and saying, let's finish this off. If you're going to make me put pads on and you're going to make me get out there, then, hell yeah, I want to win the game. Because you want to win every game, Greeny. We're not saying that it's either or. What I'm saying is it doesn't have to be the goal. The goal of – an 8 and 0 team is not supposed to be to go 7 and 0, 17 and 0. It's supposed to be to go 9 and 0. And then if I go 9 and 0, 10 and so forth and so on. And if I'm 16 and 0 and I get to that position, yeah, I want to finish because I want to finish everything. And then you put that aside and then you try to go win playoff games. But to make that the, your goal, to make it a talking point, for that to be something that you're aiming for, I think that's wrong. And here's why it's wrong. Because if that's your goal and if that's your main thing, and that's what you're aiming for, when you get that one loss, then what now? Mm. 
right? How do you accept that loss? Is that the loss of an entire season? Hell no, because you're still the number one seed and you still have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. Winning the Super Bowl is the ultimate goal. If we tick off other goals on our way to that, then so be it. Okay, so let's leave that there for the moment. We will come back to all of this. There's an entirely different story out there in the world of sports, and I'm assuming by now you know what I'm talking about, and I want to take you through the day chronologically yesterday because it was a day candidly unlike almost any that we've seen in sports, at least in recent memory. The sum total of it is that Kyrie Irving is not going to be playing for the Brooklyn Nets for at least the next five games. Let me take you through exactly how we got there. On Wednesday evening, Irving and the Nets both pledged $500,000 to anti-hate groups in response to the Nets guard promoting a book and a film that contains anti-Semitic rhetoric on his social media. In response to that pledge, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver yesterday expressed his disappointment that Irving did not offer an apology. Then, early Thursday afternoon, Irving spoke with the media for nearly six minutes after not being made available after the Nets' loss on Wednesday night. And notably, in those six minutes, he did not offer an apology. Here's part of what he said. Are you sorry for the hurt that your post caused people? I take my responsibility for posting that. Some things that were questionable in there, untrue. Like I said, in the first time you guys asked me when I was sitting on that stage, I don't believe everything that everybody posts. It's a documentary. So I take my responsibility. It seems like Adam Silver wanted to hear the word, I apologize, or in your mind, you said, I didn't mean to cause any harm. Were you apologizing or you not apologizing? I didn't mean to cause any harm. I'm not the one that made the documentary. So, again, noticeably absent were the words, I'm sorry, and that was not good enough for the Nets. They suspended him for at least five games late yesterday afternoon because he failed to, quote, unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs. Then later last night, Irving responded to that with an apology on Instagram. It is lengthy, but of great note, he does include saying to all Jewish families and communities that are hurt and affected from my post, I am deeply sorry to have caused you pain, and I apologize. So that's a lot of information to take in. But again, all of that happened in one day. And here's the only person I know who can sort it out for us, and that's Adrian Wojnarowski. So, Woj, first and foremost, I think a lot of people are wondering, how did it take so long to get where it got last? Last night. Take us through these last few days. Hey, Greeny, going back to late last week when Kyrie Irving uh, shared that anti-Semitic documentary to his Twitter account into the weekend, I think Joe Sy, the Nets owner, I think his hope was that he could have a process with Kyrie Irving of educating him about why what he shared was so hurtful to the Jewish community, to, to the community at large. And instead of necessarily forcing him into an apology, he didn't know necessarily that he believed or, or, or understood why he felt he had to give it, that he was going to work with the American Defamation League. And together, they would help to educate Irving and then come to an understanding where he could have a, a, a fuller view of the entire scenario and and he saw it as something of a teachable moment. And this is amid, I think, both Nets management, the league office, pushing Joe Tsai more, to be more punitive, uh, a suspension, a punishment. And as the days wore on and Kyrie Irving had a chance on Saturday night, then again yesterday, publicly with the media, to disavow, condemn that, the contents of that movie, 
to say that he was not anti-Semitic, those two public appearances, and then a, a joint statement with the Nets uh, a couple days ago that still felt short. I think finally Joe Sy realized, even after Adam Silver didn't want to wait for Joe Sy anymore uh, to, to figure this out with Kyrie Irving, he put his own statement out and wasn't going to just allow the Nets to handle this, let Joe Sy handle it. You come to a situation yesterday where the Nets suspend Kyrie Irving for, for at least five games and come out with an extremely, you know, a strongly worded statement that certainly many would have liked to have seen days ago. And so, and we'll have more time later to get more deeply into this part of it, but that was one tumultuous day. What should we expect to happen now? Well, the Nets, when it comes to Kyrie Irving, you know, they say he has to meet, I think they termed it a series, you know, of, of remedial, uh, uh, remedial objective, or objective remedial um, uh, sequence of, of, of trying to make this right over the next, at least through these five games. Now, I think you saw with Kyrie Irving, the apology that he posted on his Instagram mm -hmm. late last night. Listen, he could have probably avoided the suspension if at any point in the last week he shared some of most of those sentiments and maybe a little more. Uh, he probably wouldn't be suspended now, but it took until he was suspended uh, for him to share that last night. So uh, you're looking at now at least five games without Kyrie Irving and certainly like, his future in Brooklyn. Uh, very much in question. All right. Stay close by. Well, just obviously, we'll keep working this story. It, it's, it is such an unusual one, and we will continue to cover the very latest as the morning goes on. Woj will be with us all day long as we continue on this football day. Much more to get back to there, including Tom Brady. Uh, if you're going to sleep on the Buccaneers, do so at your own risk. I think Brady and the Bucks might be about to go on a run. We'll explain why coming up. And then it's by far the biggest college game of the year, Tennessee. Uh, they're taking on the number two team in the country, and yet they're a heavy underdog. Why does everyone think the Volunteers are going to win? We'll explain as we continue. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious, meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. 
Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We have a good NBA doubleheader coming your way tonight. Jason Tatum and the Celtics hosting DeMar and the Bulls at 7.30 Eastern, followed by Giannis and the unbeaten Bucks taking on Minnesota. We'll start your night with NBA Countdown. See you at 7 Eastern here on ESPN and the ESPN app. Meanwhile, as we continue, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have lost four in a row. He has some reasons for that. Why the time for talk is over now in Green Bay as we roll on. A football Friday. Get up on ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back on Get Up. Our next stop is Tampa, where the Buccaneers host the Rams Sunday in a playoff rematch from last year. It's actually the last two Super Bowl champions. Here was Tom Brady addressing the state of his three and five bucks and what can be done to reverse their fortunes. Give a listen. Eight games, whatever. You could be seven and one and be one game out. You know, you could be the record we're at. But the reality is, that three and five. There's a reason why we're three and five. You got to fix the reasons why you're three and five. It's one game, but it's not like we have a huge margin of error when we take the field. We don't. So we got to make the plays that are winning plays. And there's winning plays and there's losing plays. There's winning football. There's losing football. And we just haven't got over the. You know, we haven't been on the right side of winning very much this year. They've been bad. They're coming off sort of a mini-buy. The week ago Thursday was their last game. And look who joins this party this morning. David Pollack is with us from the scene of game day tomorrow where they'll have Tennessee and Georgia. We'll get plenty into that as we go. But 
Let me start with this. Ryan Clark, I'm starting with you. Hear me out. The things that are happening with the Buccaneers so far this season don't actually make sense. Their defense, which should be really good, has been just terrible. Tom Brady, it's not like he looks bad. It looks like he and Mike Evans never played together before in their entire lives. These things don't make sense. (laughs) They've had a mini-buy. They're going to get things together. I just have a feeling they're going to knock off the Rams this weekend on their way to putting together a really good second half. RC, am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy, Greeny. I think, one, we have all built up so much. Well, Tom Brady has built up so much emotional revenue for all of us. We believe that he can fix anything, that any situation he's in, he can diagnose us and be a part of the solution. So I think that's number one. We've also seen this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense be really good this year. We thought through the first two or three weeks of the season that they would be as dominant as they were on their playoff run. And also, Mike Evans and Tom Brady have done amazing things together throughout the two years or two and a half years Tom Brady is there so it's no reason to not think that things can get fixed the problem is they haven't done it to this point and to this point this hasn't looked like any team that's resembled a Tom Brady team throughout the last 23 years much less the last two years in Tampa Bay this is a huge week against the Los Angeles Rams I think the Los Angeles Rams beating them last year and winning the Super Bowl will help this team be focused and thinking about how to get better this week and get this one win, and I think that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team will win the NFC South. But it ain't about what I think, Greeny. It's about what they do, and it has to start this week. Yeah, yeah. Talk is cheap, and it's time to do it. And David Pollock, what do you expect? I'm just still emotional revenue. That's what he's built up, RC. Okay, I, I don't know what that is. It's, it sounds really awesome. Uh, I know Tom Brady's really, really good. I'm interested to see, you know, this Buccaneers team. And, and I do listen. I believe him this week, Greeny, because let's let's be honest too. On the other side, the Rams suck. I mean, they're awful. They, they've been very ungood all year long. Like, I mean, Cooper Cup now being banged up, who is the number one focal point of the offense. Greeny's suiting up probably at running back for him. I mean, they got running back issues all over the place. So I, they're coming across the country, you know, to play the Bucs. I, I love the Bucs this week. I, I think the Bucs obviously have a lot to prove. They have the extra time off. Their weapons are all getting more and more healthy. So this week I love the Bucs. Long term, do I, do I think the Bucs are going to make some noise? I, I don't, but for this week, I definitely like them. All right, Ninko, this morning in our meeting, when I bounced this thought off everybody, you gave us a motivational speech. Give it to us. What's the motivational speech this week for Brady and the Bucks? All right, fellas, look around this room right now. I want you to look around this room. There's no one walking through that door that's going to help us. We're all we got right now. We're all we got right now. Everyone in this room, we got to come together. The first eight weeks, that's in the past. That's not going to help us moving forward. We got to take this one week at a time. One week at a time. We got the Rams this week. And remember what they did to us last year. We're going to look in the future. We're going to look at this week and only this week. It starts now. It starts right now. I'm ready to go. Starts now, Green. I'm ready to hit somebody. I'm Focus on you. I'm not ready. I'm not ready with that. I'm ready, I'm ready with that speech. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit somebody. Not you, though. Hey, I don't I'm, know who, but I'm not hitting I'm not, you. I'm go. not ready with that speech. But I think your your point is a good point in that, and that's it's, what they were doing. Like they had a team meeting this week. Levante David said, "Like the thing about Tampa Bay is that they have they've done it before. Like the last three years, this defense they've been the number one defense or either top five in, in stopping the run. This year they're 24. We've done it before. Let's go back to who we used to be. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin." 
We've done it before. So, like, that's what we have to lean on. That speech, I ain't leaning on that speech. No, but the I'm speech was the, good. I'm leaning on the fact that, like, we have all the pieces. Let's use our mini bye week, get it together, and dial in on who we are. Our little things, little things done well, make big things happen. Let's do that. It was a good speech. It's but, hard to be. It's hard to really get in a character in a suit and tie. No, okay? no, no. You know, Felt good. Like, I like the speech. Let's put the picks up there. What does everybody think? Is everybody buying? Yes, everybody is on Ninko's bandwagon. There Let's we go. Let's go one week at a time. What one week at a time on their way to not only winning the division but actually looking like a contender when the season ends. That's what I think one legendary quarterback does. How about the other? Green Bay is our next stop. The Packers mired in a four-game losing streak, longest with Aaron Rodgers since 2008. Rodgers was talking this week about his ineffective receiving core and to what he attributes their lack of production. Here's what Aaron said. We haven't had our full squad. I think that's part of it. You know, we've A lot of guys been hurt. We look at our receiver room. Sammy missed time. Cobby's now missing time. Allen's missed time. All right, Brooke Pryor, as you hear Aaron talking, what thought comes to your mind? There's so many excuses. There's too many excuses because you know who hasn't been hurt or at least so hurt that they have had to miss games? Uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Why don't you run the ball more? I said last week that my recipe for the Packers to have a prayer of beating the Bills was running the ball. You know what they did? They ran the ball. 20 carries for Aaron Jones, 10 for A.J. Dillon. They didn't beat the, the the Bills, but they came closer than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I understand that there are deficits at wide receiver. I know that this offensive line is not the best, but they're not terrible. And I think that you could really do some damage if you would just run the dang ball. Well, look, I mean, they're playing a Detroit team this week whose defense is, is just unimaginably bad. Uh, and, and they have Rodgers has certainly owned them as he has much of the division. Uh, David, same question. Can Rodgers pull something out of his hat here? Is the formula running the football a little more? Will that defense finally show up and play? Can the Packers look like the team they expected and we expected them to be? I love when we throw praise on the Packers and it consists of, well, their line's not as bad as we thought it was. Like, it's, you know, the receivers aren't that bad. Like, they're okay. Listen, this, this week is, is the week I think we find out. And I say, I know it's the Lions and the Lions stink, but that's kind of the point. Like, you better be able to run the football against the Lions. You better be able to score against the Lions. But here's the thing. The Lions are going to line up and smash them in the mouth, and they haven't been able to stop the run. So, listen, I, the, the Packers definitely look like a mess. When you look at their numbers, it's kind of strange because everybody says run the ball run the ball I don't really feel like they're that great at running the football it feels like every time they get predictable and they run the football they put they get themselves in a bind so I I think that they still got to continue to find themselves but the good news is against the Lions they'll probably find themselves this week and they'll get the dub that's right. It feels like they should be good at running the ball, and so we want them to do it. The problem is, even when they've done it, they haven't been particularly good at it, but I agree that that's what they need, that's what they need to try to major in with the receiving core that they have. Now, Ninko has put together a prop. He's got a sign, Cindy. I asked you yesterday about the Packers. <laughs> Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words, or in this case, it. at least two. It's what do you over. Think? It's we, over. It's I said over? It, I said it was over. I said it was over when they lost to the Jets at home. They, they, they listen. They have a lot more problems than just running the Doing football. Doing the Chicago accent, though, Nink. 
I tell you what, this is the this is the first time in my life I was so excited to see the Bears so much better than the Packers. The Packers are in trouble. They're going down. The season's over. The Bears are better than the Packers this year. It's 100% accurate. We're the best rushing team in the NFL, and I'm going to go have myself a bratwurst and celebrate. Uh, you know what? At this moment, the Bears might be better than the Packers. And that, that's not hyperbole. RC, jump in and finish this up for us here. How about Aaron and the Packers? Well, I think the first thing about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers running the football, as, as Brooke has said, it's not necessarily that we believe they can run it. We just know they can't throw it. And so we say, hey, might as well try something different. And you look at the second half of the Buffalo Bills game, they were able to create two turnovers off of Josh Allen, run the football, and it at least slowed the game down to give them an opportunity to see if Aaron Rodgers can make a play late. We thought that would be the recipe throughout the season. We thought the season would at least start off that way, trying to play tough, physical defense, get after the passer, at least sometimes stop the run, and then run the football offensively and allow Aaron Rodgers to be great when he can. I know we're looking at this Detroit Lions like a get-right game, but the Detroit Lions can score. And the Green Bay Packers throughout the season haven't shown themselves to be an explosive team. This is going to be a tough game. This is going to be a game where the Packers might actually have to dig deep to find a win. And I believe that's exactly what they need. They need mm -hmm. to get into a fight and be able to come out of that fight battered and bruised, but as a champion. And maybe then they find out how to make games ugly, how to make games gritty, and win because throwing the football around and having the little screens and the checks and the RPOs, that's not going to get it done for this team. They have to change their mindset and their philosophy, and then maybe they could compete down the stretch. Yeah, I like it. They put the picks up. You don't believe the in their emotional thing with him, with Rogers, yeah, like the emotional, emotional whatever that thing is. <laughs> that doesn't work, man. Listen, Rogers hadn't built that emotional that type of emotional tank revenue or whatever it is in my bank account right now. <laughs> the, he don't yeah, have okay. that. Emotional the Rolling Stones had a song called "Emotional Rescue," and it feels like that's what they desperately need. Uh, Cindy, let's put the picks up there. So we're all buying in on Green Bay again this week against the Lions. And so maybe if there's a thread of commonality oh, here, Brady gosh. and Rogers, the bottom line of it is this. Both of them this year were expected to have their teams led by great defenses. Mm. And in both cases, the defenses have let them down. The Packer defense needs to play better. The Bucks defense needs to play better. Or it won't matter what either of these legendary quarterbacks does. Speaking of legendary quarterbacks, he may not be as famous as Peyton Manning yet. But a win over Georgia tomorrow might make Hendon Hooker a household name. Is he going to do it? David Pollock will answer that question next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. on a football Friday, and I'm going to tell you what, sneaky, interesting game in Kansas City Sunday night. Chiefs hosting the surging Tennessee Titans. Patrick Mahomes is 0-2 in the regular season against Tennessee. His most recent game against them, an ugly 27-3 loss in Week 7 last year. Tennessee has sort of had his number. But despite the Titans winning and covering each of their last five games, KC's a 12-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Bear in mind, the Chiefs are 0-3 against the spread at home this year with close wins over L.A. and Las Vegas and an outright loss to Buffalo. So let's dive right into this thing. Hey, Ninko, are the Chiefs on upset alert this weekend? Yes. Yes, they are. The, the Titans are built in that physical manner. They can run the football, and I think they're heating up right now. I think when you see um, the way that they're playing, it's confidence-inspiring for this offense. And when you have a guy like Henry that's that physical and he can run your team over, I really think that this is a setup where 
you look at a 12 and a half point spread mm-hmm. too, like you'd walk into the, the, the staff room and say, this is insulting that they have 12 and a half on us. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So I really think that with this team, the way they're built, Tennessee, they can do this and, and they might do it. Here's what we're going to do, RC. We're going to run Derek Henry. If I'm the coach, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm going to change Derek Henry's number this week to 12.5. I'm, I'm putting that on Derek Henry's five. chest, and I'm having him run right Shoot. through that Kansas City defense. What do you think of that strategy, Ryan Clark? <laughs> well, Greeny, you're the same guy that was actually excited about Nico's speech, so you get motivated in weird ways. Maybe you would like to see a 12 and a half on the jersey throughout the entire week. I think the one thing is when people are looking at this Tennessee Titans team, they're thinking about the Tennessee Titans team that lost to the Giants week one or the team that went to Buffalo and got their doors blown off by Josh Allen and that team. That's what they're focusing on. Not necessarily the team that's found its identity again and is running behind Derrick Henry and getting big stops defensively with a great rush by Simmons in the middle. And I think that team has a chance to win this week. I think that's the team that the Kansas City Chiefs will be nervous shows up in in their stadium on this weekend. But the other part about it is the Tennessee Titans throughout their tenure with Mike Vrabel have always understood who they are. They started this season and I think kind of finished last season wanting to be something different because that's the way they felt like they had to win. Now they dug back in to their foundation and their base. And their base starts with 22, and that's the last person the Kansas City Chiefs want to see because he can control the game and he can eat up yards. This is a huge game for the Chiefs this week. They need to show that they can stop the bleeding running but also play offensive smart enough to keep the ball away from Derrick Henry so he doesn't keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. What do you think, Pryor? Uh, I think that Andy Reid is 20-3 and after the bye. So while I don't think they should quite be 12-and-a-half-point favorites. You know what Vegas knows? Vegas knows that Andy Reid is so good when he's had a week to prepare. And I know that he's also 2-9 and nine against the Titans. I know that Patrick Mahomes has not been great against the Titans. But I think that, that going into this, the fact that, that Tennessee doesn't have the outside weapons that they had last year, I think makes them more one-dimensional. And yes, that dimension is Derrick Henry. But I think that that gives the Chiefs an edge. Stack the box. Willie Gay has played really well. I think the Chiefs win. We'll put the picks up on the screen as we hear from Sacha. What and do you think? The fact that Ryan Tannehill may not play in this game, yeah. guys, in practice, that's another big deal. And so I get it. The last couple games, Andy Reid hadn't been able to beat this team. But Ryan Tannehill, not a quarterback. Derrick Henry at running back. All these things. It'll be interesting to see. I'm picking Chiefs. So you see the picks up on the screen. It's not just the 12 and a half. Ninko has two words for you. Money, line. Do Let's it. see if that winds up paying off this weekend. Much more NFL conversation as we continue. But right now, college football. Biggest weekend of the year by far. It includes Notre Dame hosting Clemson. Obviously a monster game for the Tigers. They've won 14 straight. That's the longest active win streak in the FBS. They can clinch the Atlantic with a loss by Syracuse, who plays at Pittsburgh. But obviously, Clemson has its eye on holding on to that playoff spot. Then we got Alabama, LSU, Saturday night, meeting as ranked opponents for the 30th time. The winner will not clinch a spot in the SEC championship game, but will definitely have the inside track. And then, of course, the huge one. It's number one, Tennessee. It's number three, Georgia. Uh, It's going to be a a tremendous matchup. The winner won't quite clinch the SEC East, but would have to lose twice along the way. So for all intents and purposes, I mean, this is a game for a spot in the playoff. And I want to make sure everyone in America, uh, David Pollack rejoins us. And again, game day will be there tomorrow. Uh, Let's introduce everyone who doesn't already know it to the name Hendon Hooker, the 
special quarterback of Tennessee, who Mel told us yesterday has played his way into being a first-round draft pick so far, and this game means so much in an evaluation. What's the expectation from him tomorrow against a great Georgia defense? Business as usual. I mean, this is, first of all, we get to know Hendon Hooker. He started his career, you know, Virginia Tech. He transferred. He's 25 years old, Granny. He's older than 10 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So, very, very mature. Second year in the system. This guy knows exactly where his answers are. Not only can he throw the football deep, outside the hash, all over the yard, he also can run the football, which makes this offense even more dangerous. They play so fast, so electric, so dynamic. Deep shots galore, and they start fast, and they play fast the whole game. But Hendon Hooker is the reason why Tennessee's back on the map. All the transfers, all the new stuff that's come over as a second-year head coach, he's the reason they're at where they're at right now. And the number one team in the country with that win against Bama. RC, no one knows the SEC better than you do. What are you looking for in this game? What's your expectation? Well, what you got to see, and, and David knows this, that this Georgia defense is full of pros. And the one thing you have to stop when you play against Hendon Hooker in Tennessee is the deep ball. You got to stop the big play. That's why they were able to get up on Alabama so quickly or when they came down here to Death Valley, why the, the LSU Tigers couldn't stop the bleeding because Hendon Hooker, play after play, was able to get the football down his hand, whether it's the seam or outside the numbers, with dimes that ended up in big plays or touchdowns. Georgia's going to have to understand about getting getting pressure, keeping him in the pocket, but also stopping the big play. We also have to think about Tennessee's defense being ranked in the top 25, but not playing a team as physical as Georgia or a team with a tight end like Bowers that's able to get down the field and stretch the field and also score points. This is going to be a great game. I'm excited to see it. It starts with these two veteran quarterbacks. Whichever of those can make the biggest plays and the smartest plays, I think, is the team that ends up victorious at the end. Sacho, Heather Dinich told us the other day, the winner is in the playoff. Who's going to win? I'm picking Tennessee, and part of the reason is not only that momentum piece, but also they're getting back Cedric Tillman. Cedric Tillman last year had 200 yards against his Georgia team. Jalen Hyatt with Hendon Hooker, uh, 13 touchdowns, 841 yards, 76% uh, completion percentage. So they've got a connection. No, oh, by the way, we talked about the deep ball. I get it. Georgia's defense is physical, more physical than Alabama was. But that deep ball, out of all of Tennessee's touchdowns, half of them come on passes that are 20 yards or more. So that deep ball connection is a real thing. They're getting at full strength right now, and they have the momentum of that confidence of beating Alabama weeks back. That's why I'm picking Put the picks up on the screen. You see them up there. I saw Pollock shaking his head. He can't let Georgia lose. It's a home game for David Pollock this weekend uh, as he'll be sleeping in his own bed for a game day tomorrow. So he can't see it. Again, Sacho's the only one on Tennessee. Let me get a quick take on Alabama LSU, which is always a monster game. I will turn to the pride of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Go ahead, RC. How do you see it? (laughs) I don't necessarily know if I'm the pride of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but it's about Jaden Daniels and his legs. We've seen throughout history or throughout recent years that quarterbacks can that can use their legs get outside of the pocket and create plays are the ones that can give the Alabama Crimson Tide trouble defensively I don't think they're as good skill player wise on the offense but it's all about Bryce Young and the quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide if we can get to him without pass rush I believe we can cover outside and Jaden Daniels has to have his third consecutive monster game in order for them to win David Greeny, he's pulling on them emotional reserves, Greeny. He's pulling on them emotional reserves. Residue. Bringing them back. Back to Death Valley and just 
I hear you. I would love to agree, but I, I don't think Brian Kelly and them are ready for this yet. A RC, we could get in a big debate about this. I'm still very curious to find out, like, LSU and how good they are. This will be a good All step. Right, we see the, picks, uh, the two least surprising things today, Sacho, are that Pollock picked Georgia and RC picked <laughs> LSU. Those, those are the two least surprising things that happened on this program. All right, everyone stay close by. We have much more to do as we continue. And I want to remind you that we've got Alabama LSU coming your way on Saturday night. Huge matchup. Bryce Young, Jaden Daniels, everything in the world at stake. 7 Eastern tomorrow night on ESPN and the ESPN app. All right, coming up, back to the NFL, back to last night's game. Jalen Hurts, brilliant again. Are we ready to put him among the NFL's elite QBs? The answer might surprise you. Next, get up on ESPN. ESPN. 